0: a theme here that really resonates with us, like in the children's classic movie, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, we are the island of misfit toys. And uh, <clears throat> that means there's a place for you here that, that you can fit in, it's okay. You, you, it's not a place where you have to be like everyone else. Everyone else strange anyways, right? I just want to be myself and I want a place where I can be myself where I can be entirely comfortable in my skin and just know that I belong and saying that I belong means that you belong there's a place for you here we say that and we really mean it. So we're going to talk about a curious topic today spirituality the idea of spirituality in the Bay Area right? It's large, all-encompassing, because in the Bay Area, like here, there's so many wonderful influences from around the world, different ways of thinking, right? What does it mean to be spiritual? We tend to think like this, that we're human beings searching after a spiritual experience. But what if we turn that phrase upside down and say that we're spiritual beings having a human experience? We are spirit. We are spirited. Spirit is that which animates the human being. And we know that, right? Because we've experienced the passing of loved ones. And when people pass away, there they are. That's them, but they are no longer with us. They've taken leave. There's a separation of spirit and body, which means that there's something going on in here already that's spiritual, that's percolating, that God is waiting to connect with. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, and we're talking this month about the idea of ministry, the message last week the message of the cross this week, the method of the Spirit, which means that we do what we do by means of the Spirit of God who animates us. And the precedent for that is the Holy Spirit that we meet primarily in the New Testament. And Paul reflects on his own spiritual experience When he was with the Corinthian church, you know, Paul was an itinerant minister. He didn't just stay put like me in one place, speak to the people all the time. He would come, hang out, maybe six months, a year, and then he would go on down the road to the next place, and somebody else would come in, or he would train people from inside. That was the dynamic. So these letters that he wrote in the New Testament are reflections backward on the time that he was with them. He says in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words and wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear, And in much trembling, my speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Lord Jesus, open our eyes to see the power, the beauty, the simplicity, and the singularity of God's Spirit at work in our midst. Amen. We tend to think of the Apostle as this super confident guy, right? Like Paul knew it all and he spoke with authority and what Paul said goes. And this paints an entirely different portrait of him in coming to the Corinthian church. He didn't come relying on his credentials. He wasn't a Ph.D. in such and so. He was, but that wasn't the basis of his proclamation. Didn't come out of his storehouse of accumulated wisdom and tradition. That's what we tend to think about spiritual people, right? is they have this storehouse of wisdom and knowledge and they just speak and interact in the world with ease. That's not the case at all. Spirituality comes clothed in humanity, which means it takes into account exactly who we are. So your expression of spirituality is going to be different than mine. It's going to be different than someone else's. So that means as a beginning point that we have to enter into this consideration with humility. Recognizing that we don't have it all. And and that's how Christians have been portrayed, right? As open and humble. Yeah, Christians kind of have a bad rap, right? Like we've got it all figured out. We've got the goods and you need them. So just sit back and let me tell you exactly what you need to know. That's not humble in the least. That's arrogant and proud. And that's not reflective of God's Spirit. Paul talks about the mystery of God in verse 1. When I came proclaiming the mystery of God, let's stop and recognize that God's message is a mysterious one. It's one that we don't have all figured out, right? Like, Five points in a prayer, no. There's an openness, There's, there's an expanse to the truth of the message. And Paul says, look, I kept it simple. I came proclaiming Christ and him crucified. We talked about that last week. If you missed out, First Baptist Alameda, click to listen, right? You need help getting to sleep at night. Paul said, I came bringing this mystery and it didn't come with lofty words or wisdom. And that's so liberating for me because I always think that if I I just had the right words, right? If I could just package it in such a way that people could understand. But really, it's like a moving target. If there's mystery in our understanding of God, that means we're constantly growing and evolving and changing in our thinking and in our thought process. So Paul said, I didn't depend on the things that I knew, but I came, I came proclaiming Christ. Verse 3, I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Think about it. That's not a prideful boast that I know what you need to know and I'm about to give it to you, so sit back and listen. Think about the importance of listening in our spiritual experience. Rather than telling someone what they need to know from your vast storehouse of accumulated wisdom, What if you just turned it off for a minute and listened to what they had to say? Because that gives you an indication of who a person is, where they're coming from, what they value, what's important to them, and that forms the foundation for a spiritual dialogue, right? An inroad for the message of the gospel. On the foundation of trust and mutual respect, and and Paul says he... He put his weakest foot forward. Isn't that interesting? I came in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. Paul speaks to the vulnerability of ministry. That when we interact with other people about spiritual matters, we do so in a way that exposes us. Maybe in a way that we're not comfortable with. Puts our real self on the line. Which means we have to move beyond the level of pretension, right? Pretending, putting on a front. Where I come to you and I'm always confident and I'm always happy and things are always good, right? But beneath that exterior, stuff's going on that I I don't want to tell you about. I love what Paul says when he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 2. He said, we loved you so much that we decided to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. Spirituality in the church and in dialogue outside of the church takes this into account. It means bringing our most vulnerable selves to one another. That is frightening, right? We don't do that. You don't do that on the job. When your boss asks how you're doing, you say, very well, thank you, right? When your friend calls you, how are you doing? You have an opportunity. You can say how you're really doing, we you can put on a front. And I know, I know. Sometimes it's just easier, right? For the sake of expediency. When someone asks you in the hallway, how are you doing? It's not the time to delve into your deepest, darkest stuff, right? Well, let me tell you. How much time do you have? But Paul brought with him into the gospel ministry a layer of vulnerability that is entirely commendable. Because something happens when we strip away pretense and come down to the level of the real. Because the level of the real is where transformation can take place. That's why Paul says in verse 5, I did it this way so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on the power of God. Human wisdom has its place, right? I love to learn, to read, to expand my knowledge, to expand my vocabulary. I love to know things that I didn't know before. I love to talk and interact with people and learn stuff. But that's not the foundation of my spiritual experience. My spiritual experience comes at an experiential level at the place where I live and breathe in the everyday, ordinary experiences that I have. Paul says, in being real with you and in offering my true self to your true self, you have a better foundation. Your faith rests On the power of God. A demonstration of the Spirit. Now, what is it? How do you know? How do you know, right? It's all invisible. God, the Father, Heavenly Parent, looks after us. You know, we can kind of get behind that concept. God sees, God knows. God created, God is sovereign and wonderful. Okay, Jesus, yeah. Jesus was a guy, he was ordinary, lived a human life, modeled compassion and love and grace, was crucified, was resurrected. We see Jesus, right? We see these portraits of white Jesus, in his golden locks, in his blue eyes. So we can envision Jesus, right? No, he looked like any other Mediterranean Jew a couple of thousand years ago. Not like the portraits that you've seen. So father, son, but spirit, spirit is so, what is spirit, right? It's so like you can't conceptualize. But Paul describes it here as a power. Like the wind. You can't see the wind. You can observe the effects of the wind. I see the branches moving. Man, today I hear it blowing. I know that it's there. It's the effect or the impact that leads us to that which is spiritual. It's the change that takes place inside of us. It's the transformation. And Paul said, that's what I want you to bank on. Not how much you know, but on what you've experienced, what you've seen, the transformation that's taken place within you. He goes on in chapter 2. He says, Yet among the mature, verse 6, we do speak wisdom. Though it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish, but we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden. I love it. I love it. God knows, but He doesn't tell us. It's secret. It's hidden, and the experience of it is shrouded in mystery. Don't you love that? It's mystical. Who should be more mystical than Trinitarian Christians who believe and understand that God's got this secret treasure trove of goodies that are available to us? We can tap into the realm of the Spirit in a way that is absolutely magnificent. Verse 9 no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor human heart conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Doesn't that make you smile? That you can't even begin to comprehend how good it is. You can't even begin to fathom the mysteries, the depth, the beauty. Of the spiritual experience that we have with God. These things, verse 10, God has revealed to us. How? How, Paul? How did he reveal them? Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of got a bit of education and if we pooled together all of our advanced degrees it would would make a pretty impressive pile but what it wouldn't do is make a dent in the depths of the mysteries of God Because my master of divinity degree, how's that for pretense? I'm a master of divinity. But I don't think that lines up next to the experience of the American slave who knew a spirituality and a freedom that an advanced degree could not come near. It's the experience of, and it's, it's wrong to say uneducated, right? The uneducated person is not uneducated. They're entirely educated. It's the experience of the otherwise educated that maybe taps into the depth of the Spirit in a way that we can't when we rely on what our book learning Spirituality is not a head trip. Spirituality is a lived, embodied experience. Because we're spiritual beings having a human experience. It's the merging of those two natures. It's the integrating of one with another. It's the lived expression of spirituality. How do I know it when I see it? Paul says, I I want your faith to rest not on human wisdom, but on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You just know it right when you see it. It's different. You see in an individual a level of gentleness compassion, someone who is deeply centered and rooted, someone who is altogether real in a way that we can see and relate to. That's the experience of spirituality. And I pick it up, we pick it up piecemeal. A little bit here, a little bit there, and a little something over here. It's a collection of years and wisdom. It's God's secret wisdom that we tap into as we approach one another in vulnerability and in humility. Paul said the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So that means we might have a beginning point like this. I don't know. Hmm. I like the shrug, the shrug, the shrug is an expression of authentic spirituality, I don't know, haven't gotten there, haven't found that out, isn't it interesting that Jesus gathered together a band of people and called them disciples, The origin of the word disciple is it's a learner, student. And we are perpetually, you and I, students in the school of Christ. I hope you're learning new things. I hope your mind is wide open. I hope you have way more questions than answers. And I hope that your desire outpaces your experience. I want it. I want it. I want to be more spiritual. I want to be centered in God in a way that I never have. And I've been after this for roughly 20 years. Eight years which is my Christian experience it's an amazing journey one that's defined by learning and growing by openness by humility by the realization that God works right how in mysterious ways So, if you've got it all figured out, my friend, if you don't have any questions, if you don't have any doubts, this might not be the place for you because we're pilgrims, learners, spiritual people seeking a spiritual experience. I want to take a moment with you as we conclude and invite you to listen to the roof being blown off of the church. (laughs) Just listen for the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, That name of Jesus,